0: You are listening to episode 111 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games
1: we're currently playing, and we're going Maverick in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: So uh, this week, Ryan and I decided to play a little bit of Mega Man X on the uh, Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, we're still kind of recording remotely at this point, so playing whatever we can, Ryan. And uh, that was next on the classic list. Yeah, we'll get through, we'll get all the way through this little console at some point. Yeah, get at some our some full point, money's right. worth. So You got to get a Turbo Graphics Mini, so that way we can start hitting up those games, dude. That'd be interesting. That would be uh so this week we got a few different things we're covering uh the first one's going to be an article uh it's an interview with uh i think it was ign and basically they interviewed uh bowser regarding uh the various switch models um that have been doug bowser
1: not to be confused with king koopa
0: yeah yeah not to be confused with king koopa but so they talked to doug bowser and what was going on in terms of new switches and all that and uh his you know comments on that so we'll talk about that uh, the biggest problems with cyberpunk 2077 are people's unrealistic expectations so we'll go into a there's a nice <laughs> list of expectations on there uh, that we can look into and then of course the devs are reportedly angry if management about the unrealistic deadlines uh, eight years any, anybody eight years so that and then we'll of course discuss our thoughts on Mega Man X so Ryan as always did you have any pickups this week uh no, I really thought about buying Hades, but I
1: think I'm going to wait till after the holidays are over to uh to do that. Yeah. And Then the only thing I played this week was I played around in the snow in Animal Crossing a little bit, made a snowman, caught some snowflakes, tore down all of my Halloween decorations that I put up. Just a little rearranging for the holidays.
0: Gotcha. But cool. I promise Sounds like it was I will awesome. get
1: back into Persona this week. Next weekend. You're me. When when I'm back on the podcast to talk to everybody, I'm gonna tell everybody I played Persona and it'll feel real
0: good. And you guys will all be very proud of me. And just know that you cannot use this as your inflation or not inflation, but your new games resolution in 2021. So you no, are I know. gonna I have pull to pick double duty
1: game.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Which by the way, uh next week we will be discussing our new games resolution along with our uh you know, games that we played this year for our, um, inflation deflation, ones that we like the most. So we got a little inflation research deflation on our hands. games of the year. Yeah. And hopefully I can update our website, by the way, uh, dot com. I need to get all of our, um, you know, prior games that we played listed on there for our reviews. And this week I'm off. So I'm probably going to be doing a lot of that. that will yeah. be interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I think for uh, myself, what did I pick up this week? So this week, GameStop, they might still have it, by the way, for anybody listening uh, when this episode, you know, goes live. But GameStop was doing their whole, you know, buy five games, 50 bucks or $30 and lower. And it's like 50 percent off. So I picked up, um, hopefully, they're complete in box. Otherwise, I'll return as needed. But I've got two copies of Viva Pinata coming in. Hopefully one of them has, you know, Case and manual. Um, I got The Witcher 2. Uh, I forget the version, but it's whatever special edition version that was out. I've already got from a prior GameStop purchase that had like super scratched up discs. I already have the case for that and a manual. So I'm just waiting to get the discs and hopefully they're in good shape. Uh, A copy of, what was the other one? Oh, Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale. Or no, not Baldur's Gate, Forgotten. It's um, Icewind Dale and I think, I forgot the other one. Is it Forgotten Realms? I don't remember. Uh, But I got that. No, Torment. I think it's Torment. So I got that for the PS4 and then I got um, uh, something. uh, God, man, I just had the name like in my head. It's an RPG for the PS4. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this in the past that you generally want to pick up games when you can, when they're like on the down low in terms of price and moving into a new generation is a great time to do that. So I'm trying to pick up like as many RPGs and stuff as I can on PS4 while they're still super cheap. And the one that I ordered was Omega Quintet. So I got that I one never coming. Never even heard of that. Well, that's the thing. Like some of these are just no-name RPGs. I'm like, well, if I ever want to play it, I can get it now for seventeen, or really eight dollars. Or I can wait until you know three years from now, and I'm like, look, I really want to play it, and it's forty dollars. Yeah. So. You know, like, if the opportunity strikes itself to get a game for 50% off, why not? And these deals are great, because, like, if you get it and you don't like what you get because the disc is scratched or it doesn't come complete in box, just return it. Like, pretty straightforward. You get your money back. Uh, So I got that, and then uh, my copy of Azure Knights on PS4 came in as well. So that was a PS4 exclusive. Uh, And then Azure Knights 2, I think, came out on Switch, PS4, and I don't know if it came out on Xbox or not, but uh, the thought process there was, exclusive ps4 rpg the first one out of two and then looking at you know gravity rush remastered as well as gravity rush 2 and saying all right like the first one is so much more expensive let me just get the first one of this for now and then i'll pick up azure knights 2 at a later time mm-hmm. so that was that and then uh, currently playing my wife and i started to play it was a uh, wonder boy dragon's trap or cotton dragon's trap i forget the title but i had that on the switch it's okay it's not exactly my favorite they it's cool because they allow you to like transition between um retro style and um the you know modern version yeah so that's pretty cool so you got like that 16-bit version going for you it's all right it's not exactly my favorite but it was it was okay and uh we got probably about halfway through and we're like you know what it's just not it's, it's not a cup of tea. You? yeah it's just there wasn't much of a hook like you can change, like, so there's different characters. So you start off as um, Wonder Boy, and then you turn into, like, Lizard Man, and then uh, a mouse, and then there's, like, an eagle you can turn into. Like, you change into various creatures as you go through boss battles. The game itself wasn't super hard, and the story was, in our minds, kind of non existent. So we're like, eh, screw it. Like, we're not going to play it. So we are instead going to start up here maybe tonight or tomorrow. We'll start Dragon's Crown on the PlayStation 3. And I think that's like a two-person side-scrolling RPG. So it's like 14 hours, I want to say, to beat that one. So we're going to give that a shot here pretty soon.
1: Yeah, Dragon's Crown. I think I played that on Vita a little bit. I think it was on like PS Plus like a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I think it was released on Vita, PS3, and they did like a pro version or something for PS4. Like yeah, Dragon's it's, like Crown a, it's like a
1: side scrolling 'em up or something.
0: Something like that, but with like RPG type elements, I believe. Yeah, so I haven't looked too much me of into like, it. Uh, any of those D and D kind of yeah. games like that. So, so here's our general process. Now, Anybody listening, that we we had an episode. God, what was it? Probably twenty episodes ago or so with the Game Tenants podcast. So we had uh, Jason from Corp Slug Gaming and. Uh, we also had a church from over at Game Grinder, and they joined us. And one of the topics, or, or it was on their episode, I think, but we had talked with them about, like, couples and gaming and, you know, the whole process on that. And so, you know, a little bit into our process as a couple is generally we kind of flip-flop on who picks the game. So one month it's me, one month it's her, but what we'll generally, or, you know, after each game we'll do that, but what we'll generally do is pull, like, several games off the shelf that we just... You know, to catch our attention, we'll look at them and then we'll watch some trailers, determine which ones we like. And then we'll also go on to howlongtobeat.com, not a porno site. And uh, we'll determine based on, <laughs> you're laughing, uh, we'll determine based on the length of time it takes to beat that game, which one we want to dive into. And, and it, honestly, it's worked out really well for the most part. And we'll have our backups. So, like, we'll start, like, one game say, no, we're not interested. So we had started playing the, count, the console, or council on ps4 and she just wasn't having it like it just wasn't her cup of tea so we moved into tomb raider which was actually just kind of a let's see if she likes this and she absolutely loved it so you were playing it, Tomb Raider cool. last week right so you guys beat that we beat that in like three or four sessions we was played it? a lot dude like we were doing like four six eight hour days of tomb raider uh on that on that game so it was awesome and uh, is that the first Super- Tomb
1: Raider she's ever played
0: yeah I'm surprised she didn't make you guys start at the beginning. Well, it's a reboot. So technically, it was the beginning. Uh Mm Uh-huh. So we'll be playing uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider next when it is my turn to pick a game again. I can't wait. Dude, that's so good. It was such a good game. All right. Uh, I didn't pack any trivia, but I'm going to... Pull up the Look handy up. dandy short list of trivia that we Look both have my, been tapping into at the last second. That same list. My, my Google uh, cookies automatic, automatically knows which trivia I want to jump into. So if you guys have any ideas
1: we'll, for better trivia, you can always send them to us at uh, the Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook at Game Deflators on Twitter. Or no,
0: yeah, 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 because they don't like the Twitter. yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then of course comment you can comment on our podcast episodes, um, various applications out there: Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, wherever podcasts are found. Leave us a review and leave us a comment. So yeah, leave us uh, oh. leave us some stars: five stars, six stars if you can manage. that oh, this would be pretty cool. And uh, let's see, I I don't want to give you a number, Ryan. That's my problem. And that one's too easy. And what sucks is you might have already seen some of these, too. Right. Okay. What world market generates the most revenue in, in the video game industry? Um,
1: Gosh, I really want to say China, but I think
0: I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, North America. Never second guess yourself, sir. It was China.
1: I know. Everybody wants yeah. that Chinese money.
0: Yep. Yeah. So uh, it was definitely China and uh, they have the world's, apparently, according to this trivia, which was taken. It was edited October of 2020. So it's fairly recent. Uh, But if that answer is wrong, let us know on social media. All right, dude, uh, let's jump into that first article. So uh, this one is Nintendo says it's focusing on existing Switch models rather than a potential Switch Pro. This was Wesley LeBlanc at IGN. Uh, So dude, you kick us off on this one.
1: Okay. So we've been hearing these rumors for a Switch Pro. I mean, we've been talking about it for like at least the last year, if not longer than that. Hey, if you
0: keep talking about it, it's bound to happen.
1: Right. I know. Eventually it'll probably happen, but I think it makes a lot of sense what uh bowser says in the article uh, or the interview i mean they're doing so well with their existing models right now there's not really a need to try to go and come up with an upgrade like a mid-gen jump i think they're trying to extend this current generation out and just keep riding it as long as it lasts because i mean they're making tons of money i was uh, looking up some other stuff when I was reading this just to try to get an idea because I never got a new Nintendo 3DS but I knew that there were some games that were like exclusive to the new Nintendo 3DS or ran much better on the new Nintendo 3DS than the original. So I could see them, you know, a few years down the road from here maybe putting out something when they're ready to start pushing games to, you know, run a little bit more demanding, but still be, you know, you don't want to have a giant install base with the Switch. Like, I mean, it's going to hit, what is it, getting ready to pass, like the PS4 or something soon for sales?
0: Uh, I don't know about that. I'll, I'll look it up right now, though. But
1: it's to a tremendous in sales. So if you come up with, like, a new one that is going to be, required for certain games to be on or like the performance jump is like so much better that it's going to alienate the current install base that doesn't make a lot of sense once you're hitting these numbers that they're hitting i mean we've seen what happened and we'll get to it more later with cyberpunk i mean they totally threw the current gen under the bus and only were appealing and really working on the newer versions the higher power console versions of the game to be able to run it all so you wouldn't want to do that and nintendo i don't think that you know looking at their history all the revisions that they've done on lots of their handhelds like i would expect more slight differences like how we got the new switch last year that has like a better battery but it's just like it's a very minor you know internal hardware upgrade it's not like a whole big thing i would expect to see some stuff like that maybe maybe like Maybe a revision to the Joy-Cons would be nice so that we don't keep going through all these drift issues. Stuff like that. But also, the longer we wait for a new Switch or a Pro model Switch, the cheaper that tech will be and the better jump we'll get. Like, I would rather wait, like, another three, four years... To where like we can get something that's substantially better than what we have now. Like I'd like a much nicer screen, you know. I'd like to have a lot better battery life, just because I've got the original Switch or
0: whatever. Yeah, so I would agree with you on a lot of those stances. And to answer your question, by the way, on the on the actual like life cycle and units sold so far. So as of this week, or really last week, I guess. Uh, the PS4 is sitting at 114.4 million units sold. And the Nintendo Switch was sitting at 72.2 million. And of course, the Xbox One is sitting uh, in its lowly self at 48.8. And funny enough, uh Vita sales uh, are still sitting here for some strange reason at 15.5 million. So that shows you how <laughs> low of a selling console that was, which makes me want to get one more, actually. Um, but yeah, dude, I agree with you. And like Nintendo has always kind of been a generation behind anyways, it seems, since I guess really the... The GameCube. Well, Nintendo um, always well, tries that. to like, not sell at a deficit
1: the way that the other big guys do. Like they throw yeah, so much exactly. tech in there, they can't really profit. And Nintendo always likes to at least cut even on the consoles. I think.
0: Yeah, Nintendo's looking at it from a profitability standpoint. Like we could sell X amount of millions of count- consoles and be behind, however much in terms of units sold, but we're going to make, you know, hopefully an equal amount of money if not more, potentially, based off of what we're actually selling, at least in that division of their you know business. And yeah, I mean, Sony and Microsoft are always taking a loss. They're looking at more of a market share perspective. How much of a market share can we get and then get the revenue from you know, any video games made and such? So, definitely two different approaches for multiple companies here. Um, Nintendo's approach, you know, for hardcore gamers isn't exactly amazing. I mean, like, the tech is always behind. So, when I look at games that are multiplat unless uh, it's cheaper on the switch generally i'm going ps4 so i can't tell you how many indie games i would love to buy on switch but why would i spend 45 dollars or 40 bucks on an indie game for the switch when i can buy it for 25 or 30 on the ps4 it makes zero sense to me well a lot of people like it just for the portability and
1: that's another thing that i would hate to see go away in like a pro model would be yeah You know, going the opposite of a Switch Lite and doing like a console, a home console only version of the Switch, which we've heard rumored and I think would be taking the Switch out of the Switch is the stupidest thing you could do.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be a Switch at that point unless you're switching it from like like we talked about in the past, like if you had a way to uh, kind of uh, be able to mirror it from your Switch onto the TV, you know, like from the Switch itself. Mm-hmm. versus uh, having to be docked to do it, like kind of like the Wii U. yeah, you know the Wii U had that ability in a sense like it was a connected console, but you were able to obviously go into handheld mode and do what you're gonna do. like you could play a full game in handheld mode on the Wii U as long as you know you were within you know distant like a good distance from the actual console itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean PS4 does have, I think it has portability for like you know, if you have a Vita, you got portability tied to it. And also, I think you could play on like your phone and your computer and other stuff, too, as long as you if have you it have set up the right way. Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I think you can actually I don't think you have to have the system turned on. If I recall, I think you can play those games via like I remember somebody telling me I could play PlayStation 4 games like when I was traveling for work on my PC. As long as I had it set up and had a controller with me, I should be able to play it. So I haven't looked too deep into it. But from what I know, like, yeah, you could do a lot of remote play. Mm -hmm. on it so yeah it's pretty cool but yeah so uh obviously the big news here is uh nintendo is always looking towards new advancements in technology and keeping their eye out as is any company that's in that like well really any company and what they specialize in so nintendo's always keeping their eye on the next thing that they can do uh but for now they're sticking with the switch and it makes total sense why are you going to you know obviously try to you know move towards something else when you have something that's successful the old if it's don't broke don't fix it yeah all right our uh, our next thing here that we're going to discuss is going to be the biggest problem with cyberpunk 2077 is people's unrealistic expectations that's kirk McNe or how do how I- kirk mckean and that is at the gamer uh so it's at the gamer.com i'm going to actually open up this article and i'll just go through really quick for us
1: yeah the there's a short list ex- on here of yeah. uh suggestions that you can find in like uh a- he found these scrolling uh, subreddit for like 10 minutes or so and just kind of put together a list of things that people think should be in cyberpunk or wish they were in cyberpunk or prayed that they were in cyberpunk, dreamed about it since 2013. this is all the stuff people thought that they would be getting.
0: yeah and what's crazy and i'll I'll comment on another video as well that I saw it compared GTA 5 to cyberpunk and some of the things it showed were like when you do a burnout it's high ty- like in a car. The tires explode in GTA but in, or Pop, but in Cyberpunk, they don't. If you get in the way of somebody in traffic in Cyberpunk, the driver just stays there and will stay forever versus, versus GTA, it'll flick you off and go around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, shooting water and throwing bombs in water in GTA, you got the element of the splash effect from bullets hitting the water or a bomb exploding in the water, whereas Cyberpunk, you get nothing. Oh, really? So I different... hadn't heard that. Yeah, so I saw that recently. So it's like... You know, the amount of time it took to develop this huge RPG at the same time, there's so many things that like that other games have that it's kind of missing in a sense. But, you know, uh, this short, not really a short list, but the list here, some of these really are unrealistic. And then others are kind of like, why didn't you do it?
1: Yeah, some of these seem very obvious, like they should be a staple of this type of game
0: that has this kind of level of quality. You'll, You'll see. Go ahead through the list. Yeah. So uh, Life Paths should completely change the game. Uh, you should be able to play the arcade games, karaoke, and other minigames. Funny enough, uh, Game Grinder actually mentioned that one yesterday. I saw that, like, that he wished he could do that. Dude, like, if Shenmue could do arcade games, surely Cyberpunk can. Um, there aren't enough sex workers to sleep with. <laughs> like, really? Okay. Some horny gamers, apparently. Uh, you should be able to play optional BDs, essentially be- or bespoke cutscenes. The entire first six months of a game should be playable instead of being a montage. Okay. Uh, you should be able to form relationships with the gangs. Your street cred should impact how NPCs talk to you. Like we're talking about like people bitching about bugs and stuff and how development time was sped up. And some of these things that they want are just ridiculous. Um, Night city should be fully simulated. And NPCs should have schedules. That seems fair. A barbershop can change your appearance. I agree with that. That should be something they could have incorporated.
1: Yeah, there should be Uh, no reason to have a game like this where once you make your character, you can't go in and edit them, like, at all.
0: Like,
1: haircut,
0: nothing. Here's another one. Uh, Car customization. Like, yeah, you should totally be able to customize cars in this. Um, You know, and within limits, obviously. Uh, Purchase apartments. Uh, You should be able to pay crooked cops off. That seems pretty interesting. The trauma team should revive you in the open world. Uh, this one is um, kind of funny. Fully interactive sex scene. So sex again. Uh, you should be able to get tattoos. That one I agree with. That's customization. Uh, NPCs should comment on your genitals. That that would offer a level of hilarity. Which, by the way, apparently there's a patch where they're removing a significant amount of dildos that are sitting in there. I don't know if you've read that article recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be able to call the di- uh, the Delomain taxi service to pick you up. That seems pretty reasonable. And then you should be able to ride trams like the CGI trailer. If you're going to have it in the trailer looking at you, Naughty Dog, you should probably put it in the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a short list. And, uh, you know, dude, like to, to be honest with you, I see it in two ways. You got a developer or really developers who are crunch for time Management is giving them these unrealistic deadlines, which we'll get into here in a minute. And then you have fans who have like unrealistic expectations. Like some of those are stupid. Like you want NPCs to comment on your genitals. Okay. Do you realize the amount of development it takes to make sure that you have all the audio and written text as needed and programming it into all those specific characters just to say your genitals look X size or whatever, or look however they're supposed to look like that's just dumb. The extra sex workers to sleep with? I mean, I can see that as something they can plug in and like a patch, but why? Like why would you want to waste your time on that? Like focus on the bugs and realistic aspects that really need to be focused on. And damn it, why are they removing half the dildos? That makes no sense.
1: Yeah, um, so in the article just after a little bit after that short list, uh, they talk about how the witchers 3's world was the same, you know, the blacksmith in White Orchard will still be there hammering away when you finish the game, you'll hear the same line of NPC dialogue over and over, quest givers stand in the same place and wait for you to arrive. I can understand that, you know, that is, you know, kind of a standard thing in games, like not every game's world is dynamic enough, but this is supposed to be like the new... You know, moving into next-gen transition. This isn't The Witcher 3 from 2015. Like, it should be better and bigger and moved beyond those type of things, you know, as they're modernizing. So, it's like, we may have had too great of expectations, and they may have been under too great of constraints, but from what I've been hearing from people that have actually played the game, it's just that most of the ideas that are in this game just are half-baked, like, they started off with, like, okay, we'll do some of this, we'll do some of that, and then they just never really pushed those ideas to make them great ideas, or gave them enough, you know, uh, trial and error to work out the bugs, or to push through and find, like, how could this be more fun, how could this be more interactive, like, I've really heard that there's a deficit of, like, cyberpunk in cyberpunk like you know if you can't if you can't go out and get a mohawk and a tattoo and get drunk and you know throw some red flames on the side of your car like how how cyberpunk are you really you know you're just you're way behind the times like we're talking systems that have been in place for years in other games and that's all well and good but it it's not the groundbreaking that this was supposed to be or that people like, wanted this to be and i feel like the developers didn't want it to be like this either that's that's real
0: apparent with the the backlash that's been happening on the other end Well, I mean, if you consider like being able to make changes and customizations and such, I mean, we could flip and make customizations in PS3 games and even PS1 games. Mm -hmm. Like when we played Ridge Racer 4, for example, we could customize our vehicle and do what we wanted to do to our vehicle because it was developed in such a way that we could do that. If you were able to make those customizations during that period of time, why can't you do customizations like that in current generation? Like you know, well over 20 years after the fact. So you're right. It seems like a lot of qual- quantity over quality is what kind of came out of this. And gamers are rightfully disappointed, but at the same time, there are some expectations that are unrealistic. And given the sheer amount of bugs and everything that other people are, you know, experiencing, at least on the last gen consoles, uh, some PC from what I've heard, and then some PS5 and Xbox Series X, You know, like at the end of the day, like let them focus on the things that need to be focused on to make the game playable and then enhance the product. And then on top of that, people were bitching to have this game released with no more delays and it got released. And now everybody's like, oh, there's too many bugs. Okay, well, you wanted it released. That's what you get. And for me and you, you know, two people that don't necessarily get day one games all the time. uh, Very rarely do we do. uh, You know, we're just kind of looking at this from the outside saying, "Okay, cool. Like everybody else is a guinea pig, they're gonna have all these bugs that they're dealing with, and I'll buy the game later.
1: Yeah, and um, I've watched a little. I haven't really watched any like gameplay stuff, but I've watched like a couple things that like Digital Foundry came out with. I was just watching a video yesterday showing off like all of the ray tracing effects and how different it is with ray tracing on and ray tracing off. Like with the ray tracing, this looks like a next-gen game. Like, it looks absolutely incredible. Like, the next level of just detail that you can see, like, in reflections and, like, I'm blown away how with just the better lighting engine, it changes so much of the game. It makes it look so much better. And, you know, great for PC players that are able to see all that. But, you know, just throwing a new code graphics on stuff is kind of what brought us up from each generation in the past moving forward you know like there hasn't always been a giant leap in what makes games you know deeper or more complex or better or more interesting but I feel like for something to be next gen now it's got to be more than just better looking again Like, that's what's really going to define this generation. Like, that's why I hear people talking all the time, like, for PS5, everybody's so impressed with uh, Astro's playroom or whatever, the Mm -hmm. bundle thing that comes with it that just shows off the controller. Like, the level of detail and immersion that you get from having, like, that more interactive experience with the controller, that's the next gen. Not just that games look better. Like, the loading times and getting around you know what's always been holding consoles back that's part of the next gen not just a new shiny coat of paint
0: yeah and that's one of the reasons i'm waiting for vr2 to kind of kick it up because i want that haptic feedback that vr experience like i want to be fully immersed Mm -hmm. and right now that's just not happening so that's that's what i'm waiting for out of this gen um all right so let's look at our next part just to kind of uh, tail in with uh cyberpunk here We've got uh, an article that comes to us from PC Gamer, and this is Tyler Wild. And uh, his article is Cyberpunk 2077 devs reportedly angry with management about unrealistic deadlines. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we've heard this throughout the industry over the last several years. And I mean, it's it's not uncommon, like there's unrealistic deadlines in every shape of work. I could tell you about four or five unrealistic deadlines that I've received in the last year right off the top of my head for my job. Uh, it just happens and I get it. Uh, but at the same time, it sounds like the uh, management teams for CD Projekt Red were really kind of the the realistic, de- unrealistic deadlines were there, but they were downplaying it into how unrealistic they were, and you know definitely want to hear what you have to say on that one uh, after you read that article. Well, I mean. I just with
1: all of them trying to downplay the crunch that they were going to experience and now having to probably crunch even harder to try to salvage this absolute mess that they've made for themselves like they've completely shot themselves in the foot. They've completely ruined like all of the goodwill and praise and everything like CD Projekt Red was, like, held up as this amazing company that made The Witcher 3 that, like, was coming out in the industry and speaking out against crunch while still participating in it, but still, you know, trying to say that this is not a good thing, this is not what we want to be associated with, and now they've just thrown all that out the window, they're turning around 180 degrees, they're gonna crunch for months, And it's not going to be enough to save this game. Like, this game is just marred at launch by all of these problems. And, like, just because they go back and stabilize it and fix the bugs and fix the graphical issues and get, you know, the biggest install base on the original PS4 and Xbox One, like, those people even able to play the game, like, that'll be great. That'll be a good win for them. But it's not going to make the game better. Like the fact that people are saying that there's, you know, underneath all the bugs, it's just not a super great game or not the best game. Like that's not going to change. And like for them to have come out back in January and said that this is like a feature complete game, we're just going to spend some more time on it. Like we all thought, okay, it's done. Now they're going to yeah, throw ice on the it. cake. Now they're going to make it the best thing. And really pump it up to be like a new, crazy, incredible experience. And they just lied. You know, they lied to themselves. Yeah. They lied to, I mean, you can't lie to the devs because the devs are the one making the game. They knew that yeah. this was not going to happen. And I mean, you know, obviously they're not allowed to just tell people that, oh, hey, you know, our bosses are, are scamming all you. Don't buy our game when it
0: comes out. But like, yeah, they want to make their money, too.
1: Yeah, then they're going to have to go into DLC mode. Like, there's going to be at least, you know, beyond however long that they're going to take to come out with the, uh, like, actual next-gen versions or patches or whatever they do after they fix the current-gen problems. Like, they'll get it optimized for next-gen, and that'll all be great. And then we'll have a few years where we're going to get, I'm sure, tons of DLC. But that DLC better be, like, A home run right off the bat with no issues, no bugs, way deeper mechanics or story. Like they have a an opportunity to put more stuff in here and bring it up over time, which is probably what they were thinking to themselves. Because we live in an era of uh, fix it later, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll sell them the
0: solutions to these problems later on down the road. Yeah, we seen now with Bethesda for many years, you know, we'll get the product in our hands and we'll start working on it as we get out cuz we want the money up front and then we'll keep doing what we do. So 76 is like now kind of a
1: Fallout game, like it's actually got NPCs and quests you know, that came interesting. Year, it and came stuff. out what, two years
0: ago? Yeah. It was like when we first started doing our podcast. So yeah. like that's so so long ago at this point and it was so late into the life cycle technically to have a game where it's now playable you know, and now okay to play and, and good. Like we're on the next gen. Like those servers aren't going to be supported forever and people are going to move on to the next thing. And what's funny is uh, with any article, my favorite line here uh, from this, and you probably already know which one it is. It says that another developer suggested it was hypocritical to develop a game about corporate exploitation with the help of mandatory overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, these developers, like they've already said, uh, that they were given unrealistic deadlines to complete this throughout the entire project. And, of course, now you're left with this crappy... Not crappy, but, you know, a pretty bad product that's buggy and has its issues. And it wasn't launched correctly. So now they're working on patches. They're working on, you know, likely more overtime, more crunch time to get these things worked out correctly. Uh, you know, for a corporation that really just doesn't give a damn about them. So that's just interesting. And then I've seen a whole lot of comments on various things like, oh, standby CD project Red. No, like... Stand by the developers, not the company that's mm-hmm. hiring those developers. Like these developers are the ones suffering, not management. You know, management's telling them what to do and hey, we have we need you to put forth five hundred hours of work in the next two weeks to get this project done, and they don't have the developers necessary to hit those numbers, I'm sure. So it's it's pretty insane and I totally feel for the devs on this, and I feel for the people that have purchased this game with these high expectations and now you know, having the game in their fingertips or just either not enjoying it or wanting returns, as we've seen with both Sony and Microsoft, basically Sony taking it off their store and then Microsoft and Sony both offering returns for uh, customers. I don't think Microsoft is as widely known, but I have seen several refunds that have occurred for them.
1: Yeah, I uh, I can't believe like how this spiraled out of control, like last week. Everything was normal. Everybody was hyped like the future was now. And then it just like every day got worse and worse and like finally they pulled it off the store. Like I couldn't believe that they actually pulled it off the store. But That's I mean a it kick makes sense. The groin, dude. When everybody's asking you for refunds because it's defective, you can't continue to sell it as defective because then people are going to try to take advantage. People are going to buy
0: it, play it, try to return it you know, and if, well, and I've heard steam has a policy apparently where like, if you buy a game, you have, it's like 10 days to return it, but you have to have only played it for X amount of time. Like, yeah, you can't just return it, you know, after playing 15, 20 hours or beat a game. Like it's, it's like two hours or something I want to say. And like a 10 day period or seven or seven day period. I don't remember. I, I haven't bought a game off steam in years, but that's like their return policy. And it makes complete sense. Like, if a developer puts a game out there or, you know, really a company puts a game out there and it's absolute garbage and you spent your good money to play that and it's buggy and it's not good, then, yeah, you rightfully deserve a refund for that product. And I think that on the PS4 and Xbox One, you do run into that issue where you had higher expectations for a product and you got that product and it severely underdelivered from what you were expecting. And if that's in masses then yeah, refunds are appropriate in, in that area. Like people saying that's bitching. Yeah, sure. People can bitch. They spent their money on a product and that product for them was not as advertised. Mm-hmm. So it makes complete sense to be on that side of offense. Like if you have a PS5 and you bought Cyberpunk on the PS5 or you have a PC of a high-end graphics card and you haven't had your issues, well then yeah, you're enjoying the game. You got what you were expecting to get. But if you're a PS4 or Xbox One owner and you can't afford those and you put forth good money for a game that is on next gen but, or current gen and you're playing on an older generation, then yeah, you deserve a refund if it's not meeting expectations. 100%. eBay has policies on their website, doesn't meet description, so you get a refund on it. Why can't we do that with digital copies of games or even used copies? Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, I was actually without... just
1: looking up on uh, price charting to see if this debacle has like really affected the price at all. Cause I was wondering like if everybody's going to be returning their digital versions, how's that going to affect the physical? But I mean, everything looks pretty normal except for, for some reason it has the new price listed at 177.70 for the PS4 version on
0: here. Uh, Maybe a special edition. I don't know. No, That's just the standard (laughs) that, you know, what probably happened is somebody listed a special edition as a standard. Mm. And then it got sold, and then price charting got screwed up. Mm. Um, that happens occasionally. All right, so enough of our soapbox speeches here. Let's Good luck to start- anybody out
1: there that you know is trying to get your refund or trying to get through the game. Or I, I think the people that have it the worst are the people who bought it physically, tried yep. to play it, got too upset playing it, and now they're just going to sit on that until the patches come
0: out yeah because there's nothing worse than staring a game in the face that you want to play but it's just not worth it yeah i'm just waiting to buy it on pc and i will get it on uh maybe next summer during a steam sale when Mm -hmm. it's like 50 off because nobody's enjoying it right and hopefully i have a graphics card by then that is worthy of playing it all right Inflation deflation of the week. This week we played Mega Man X on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I used my classic. I think you did as well. Love it. And this was developed by Capcom, published by Capcom, and it was released in January of 1994, at least in the U.S. market. And it is an action plan platformer, not platformer, action platformer, receiving uh, reviews anywhere between eight to nine and ten. So or eight to nine out of ten. Sorry. So. I played a little bit. I played some Mega Man X in the past. Um, Always enjoyable. That game in particular is pretty cool because you have like the different paths on there. Like you have the different um, stages you can kind of select at any point. And of course, it's just it's a classic game, dude. So the the overall blaster the way that that controls is phenomenal in that game. I think that the mechanics are great. The controllers are great. And, of course, the music in that game is bomb. That music is awesome. Probably one of my favorite soundtracks uh, within that era of gaming. Uh, so I definitely enjoyed it uh, from See, what I played. I really wish this was one that we could have played together. Yeah,
1: this is, this is how you take something old and add to it, and enhance it, and bring it up to the future. Like, Mega Man can dash now, he can wall jump, uh, you know, he's got a lot more... I mean, you always had, like, the different powers, you know, that you get from the Robot Masters, but it's so cool how you can use those powers to, like, really affect the boss in other ways. Like, I think if you have uh, uh What is it? Boomer Kwanger? You can, like, cut off the nose of the... The, the trunk off the flame elephant guy, and, you know, depending on which order you do the bosses in, it actually physically changes, like, the stage for other bosses, like, it'll, what the level will be, like, frozen over, or, you know, the the helicarrier will have, like, crashed into whatever the other level is. I, I've never, I've never gotten all the way through this, because I absolutely suck at Mega Man, but, um, having played a little bit of Mega Man here and there throughout the years because you, you got to, you can't hardly avoid it. Mega Man X like did so much. I mean if, if you've never played it, play it and if you don't have a way to play it, watch the uh, sequelitis that ego Raptor did on Mega Man X because he goes into so much depth about like what really makes this a great evolution of a game. like this is what people wanted cyberpunk to be compared to the witcher you know if the witcher was mega man cyberpunk was supposed to be mega man x you
0: know what i'd love to see is an open world mega man well i mean kind of mega man legends no better than that like just i don't know like the breadth of like a fallout or something like that in the mega man world like the what is it mega man Xt or nx NXT, I think, you know that like whole cyber type world that they got going. That's mm-hmm. something I would I would love to see, um you know. And it, yeah, you got Mega Man Legends from years ago, but that's or or maybe a reboot, maybe a reboot of Mega Man Legends would be pretty cool for next gen. Because right now we still get like Mega Man games, we get like the side scrolling stuff still. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I don't know. The last one was pretty well so received. Years. At least I mean it did way better than Night- Mighty Number no. Nine did. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's so hard. Um I mean, Mega Man games have been here for years, but the formula has never like truly changed and I, that's a series I would really like to see the formula change a little bit and see what they can kind of come up with.
1: Well, I mean, sure. I've never played like there's so many Mega Man things out there. Like I'm looking at a list here because but when oh, we ridiculous. get into pricing, there's so many different ways to play Mega Man X. Like we played it on the classic, you know, you could buy like It for a bunch of different consoles. It's in different collections and stuff. But like on this list, there's games that like I've never even heard of, like Mega Man Star Force Two, Zerker X Ninja.
0: Yeah, it's like so. What is that even? (laughs) Well, it's just another side-scrolling Mega Man shooter. (laughs) You know, like action platformer again. Like that's that's why I say like change the formula up a little bit, give us something new. You know, and it's not to say that I played every single Mega Man. I'm like super knowledgeable about Mega Man, like. I don't think I can name any characters outside of, you know, X or Mega Man, like zero, that, that's zero. Okay. There you go. Like that's it. Vile. That's all. That's all. Nope. Nope. Sigma. Nothing. Nope. Dr. Wowie? rings a bell. <laughs> like seriously, like I am not a huge Mega Man fan, so I'll sit back and I'll play him every now and then, but I'm playing him for the actual like gameplay component. And after a while, if they all kind of look the same, I'm not going to keep playing them. And I guess you could say the same about Mario, but at least Mario's kind of changed the formula here and there over the years. Yeah. You know, it's it's a little different. They've added things, and Mega Man has too, but it's, eh, you know, it's not it's not my favorite series. They're good, though, from They're what I've played. That's
1: the thing that always drove me away from Mega Man was how tough they were. This one yeah, is yeah. like a much more accessible, you know, anybody could really pick this one
0: up and have fun with it. Well, even this one wasn't like extremely difficult. Like I blazed through the first few levels like no problem Mm -hmm. on this one. Like it wasn't like I might have died like the first go around like just kind of getting back to, you know, using those controls and understanding what's coming up after a bit. It's like all right, cool. Like this is Mega Man X and it's not too hard. Like it's not like some of I remember playing like one and two when I was a kid on my uncle's NES and having the most difficult time trying to play those. This wasn't nearly as hard for me. Um, Maybe it's Because it's a Super Nintendo controller, but for me, the experience was a little better than those games. Well, there's been so many, like, at least just
1: uh, quality of life improvements in Mega Mm -hmm. Man since the originals. Like, and one thing that I kept finding myself trying to do, I kept trying to duck for some reason. And it's like you can't. You gotta.
0: You can only jump over stuff. There's no ducking in. Yeah, (laughs) that's the hard part on that game is like trying to actually like jump over things and avoid things because you don't have the duck ability. So there was one particular enemy at least in the first first area where I was trying to duck and I was like you know, and the bombs are coming my way. And it's like, you got to just perfectly time this bomb. Otherwise you're getting hit. And then, oh yeah, he throws lasers on the ground that travel too. So you got to try and jump over those in the process while other enemies are coming your way. So yeah, I mean, the games are fairly difficult and some of the mechanics just don't work or should be there and they don't have them, but it's, I guess that's Mega Man, right? So we should probably stop calling things like Nintendo hard and call it Mega Man hard. Right. Yeah. Uh, well I guess brass tacks, dude. Um, so, we're looking at a complete in box copy sitting at 119.23 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, and that is actually the peak. and It's actually trending up. And then a loose copy is sitting at 23.90 right now. That peaked at 48.33 back in December of 2014. And for some strange reason, that's also trending up. Yeah, this so, game's on the
1: rise right now. Um, yeah. There's so many, like I was saying, I've got the price charting open with, like, I just searched for Mega Man X. So, I'm not sure. How many of these are actually, like, I don't know if Mega Man X is actually in Mega Man Maverick Hunter X. I think that that's that's the PSP remake that you can also play as, like, Vile, and that's got some cool stuff. There's, um, it looks like the cheapest version that you could realistically get would be the Mega Man X collection for PS2. You could get that loose for eight forty five. And yeah, I then, sold a couple
0: for like ten bucks complete.
1: Yeah, and then the PAL Super Nintendo version is $176.80. So that's pretty pretty up there. But there's so many better ways that you can get this game. Like the Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2 on Switch. You can get that complete inbox for 19 bucks. And that has more than just the first game. It's got this like cool boss rush mode where you fight two bosses from uh like either the same game or different games or whatever they throw you combinations of bosses and you get to pick which powers you want to bring into the fight and you try to like get through like all these different bosses that way like it's just such a well-received game there's tons of ways to play this i don't think that there's really any need other than you know like like, I always say, if you're a collector and you're going for, you know, like, this is your favorite game of all time. Like, I know some people, like, this is a really big game from their childhood. I can see the 120 bucks for, like, a nice boxed copy to be not outrageous for somebody to pay, but there's no reason to pay that. I mean, there's hardly even a reason to pay the 23.90 for the loose copy when
0: there's so many other ways you can play this. Yeah, I agree with you, man. So, like for me, this game is definitely inflated, uh, not by much. I mean, yeah. so I look at it from a couple areas, right? If you're looking to buy this Mega Man because you want to play Mega Man games and you just got a Super Nintendo, and you just you you're buying it specifically to be able to play Mega Man don't like it's not worth it at that point. If you can get on the PlayStation two for a cheaper price point or a switch, I guess it depends too. Like if you don't own a switch and you want to play this mega man and you already have a super Nintendo, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I could see multiple pathways here, but I would say this game's probably worth 20 bucks in terms of, because of, of it being a cart and because of being a, an older game and being for the super Nintendo 20 bucks seems fair. Right. instead of 23, so it's inflated from that perspective and then I think it's also inflated, of course, because of the reasons you've mentioned. I can buy it on PS2 for 8 to $10 for, you know, complete in box, 10 bucks. I can buy it on Switch brand new in like a boss rush mode with other stuff and have it enhanced on my Switch with the portability as well as being able to play it in high definition on a big screen or a bigger screen. So I that's kind of what kills it for me here. If this game was like, only released on the super Nintendo and maybe had like another version that came out on like the switch recently and was sitting at like 30, 40 bucks. Then yeah, I'd say like, yeah, definitely buy it for 23, whatever it is right now as a stanza, so far too many ways to play it far too many. And that'll, that'll hold the game down sometimes. Like when there's just better
1: ways to play. I mean, that's why as a collector, like, you know, you got to really decide how much of your money you want to throw into like an individual passion game versus if you're just trying to like fill your shelf up like I mean most people aren't just out there buying garbage to throw on their shelves because it's cheap but there's also not a lot of people that are trying to pay this much for a single game like you really got to be a fan of that game and have a desire to own that game to even really be in the running to want to pay that price I mean especially with like Super Nintendo like how many people even collect like in box because it's just only so expensive
0: and you know unlike disc games you don't need the box to keep a cart yeah I don't know many like personally speaking I don't really know many complete in box collectors and the main reason of course being is why like why would you buy a complete in box when you can get it for a fifth of the price if not like in this case a sixth of the price you know 23 versus 120 Mm -hmm. so i just sometimes i don't understand why going complete in box i think for them it's more of the nostalgic effect of course and then obviously uh, there is more of a rarity component with those boxes becoming more scarce over the years and wanting to preserve that history of those games and those boxes but at the same time it's just so damn expensive you know if you're wanting to collect the play games and you just want to like expand yeah like the 20 dollars isn't a big deal if you're looking to collect and just kind of have like this at home museum in a sense then yeah i guess 120 is not too bad either so uh but it sounds like we're both on the deflated side of this so uh we'll of course need to mark inflated that as deflated or inflated sorry we're kind of messing up our own things it's crazy <laughs> crazy week uh we got to figure out what we're doing next week i know that uh do, do you want to record in person next week oh uh, yeah we should be able to do that Okay, so if we record in person next week, we will do a non classic game. Well, we could do a turbo graphics game. So, and that's a classic, so maybe we could do a turbo graphics game. We'll figure it out for next week. Uh, But for now. Uh, This has been episode 111 of Game Deflators podcast. If you're hearing us on one of those awesome podcast applications out there, such as Podbean or Spotify or Apple podcasts, uh, definitely give us a like over on Twitter at Game Deflators and Instagram or Facebook at The Game Deflators. And we hope to see you there. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.